would happen. You just had to wait. We just had to get to this moment. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome to the What's Right show. The Atlantic today dropping a piece titled Step Aside, Joe Biden. Now, uh, you got to read between the lines here to understand what's really going on. They're making it about his age. Elliot Cohen here writing about us. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a guy in my late 60s, so this is a touchy topic for me. I, you know, but I have to admit, you know, I'm not, I'm not the spring chicken I was 10 years ago. I don't have the energy I had 10 years ago. And at 80, Joe Biden does not have what it takes to run the United States of America. The piece, of course, you know, drifts off into some musings about Trump and how we ought to be so grateful to Biden for saving us from a man, quote, gripped by vindictiveness, lawlessness, and egomania, and that Biden, quote, presented himself correctly as a decent, experienced, and entirely normal politician. These are the kind of things, by the way, you read in in Chinese newspapers about uh, Xi and others. Um, You know, there will be perhaps perhaps something said, but it's always couched with these people are beyond rebuke. And that's why this is the opening shot. This is why this type of piece is is just the first step. It is the gentle nudge, if you will. Because it's saying things here that the writer knows are not true. He knows that Biden's not a decent guy. He knows that he's not an entirely normal politician. I mean, I guess, I suppose, depending on what standards you have for your elected representatives. And he also knows that experience, well, experience, sure, but um, he's proven himself to be politically inept. The reason they are asking Joe Biden to step aside here and blaming it on uh, an artificial number, 80, is because they know that he does not have what it takes to be president. He knows he, that he, as a politician, for example, he lacks the skill to make this happen. He can't close the deal. Now, he may very well, depending on who he's facing off, if he does end up getting the nomination, may win. But they're absolutely terrified about this scenario where, where, where he may lose. And in so doing, set the Democratic Party back. So there's panic, folks. There's panic breaking out on the left. And every story that you read about the fractured Republican field, that you read about, you know, failings of of various Republican candidates, including Trump and DeSantis, who are failing in, in different ways. I'll get to that a little bit later here as we progress through today's program. Uh know this. The Democrats, if you actually get kind of you know, peek behind the curtain and see what's going on. Uh, people in the know in the party are in a state of absolute freakout. Page, what is this? Two, three, ah, here we go. Quote, and again, this is from The Atlantic. The Atlantic is a magazine that is very, you know, left 
Uh, it is, you know, a lot of Democrats read it. Atlantic is a, is a publication that it, it's significant. Because it's an opinion magazine, all the, a lot of leftists read it. So it's, anyway, this is why, why this piece matters. Quote, unfortunately, by the way, this is the uh, understatement of the century, Vice President Kamala Harris, who has the resume but seemingly not the political skills and have to be a compelling presidential candidate is a weak backfill. <laughs> you think? A weak backfill? I, I think he meant backhoe, but I digress. So at any rate, yeah, Kamala Harris, and by the way, what, is it, what does he mean by resume? A resume is, a, you know, okay, um, Yes, senator, okay, uh, fine. She was a lightweight senator. Um, Oh, I think they probably mean her looks. These people are so empty and shallow. This is a senator. Her resume is is nothing. Being from California, okay, you want a Democrat that can win the heartland of America, it's not going to be Kamala Harris. Just based on her resume alone, forget the stupid stuff that comes out of her mouth. So, uh, look, it's it's not the time for, he goes on to say, it's not the time for the Veep to take the reins. So what do we do? And he goes through, it's an oddballs, calls John, Robert uh, F. Kennedy Jr. an oddball. You'll see this, by the way, as a continuing trend that the Democrats will do. They will continue to put down RFK Jr. They do not want... Make, make no mistake about it. They do not want a situation where he gains steam and then, and then they have to defend Biden's decision not to debate him. Because RFK Jr., and this is a very important aside to understand why these pressure tactics, if you will, these opinion pieces will begin coming out in traditionally Biden-friendly media. It, it, they, they are terrified of the prospects of of Biden being forced to debate RFK Jr. RFK Jr. would make mincemeat of Biden. Regardless of what you think of RFK Jr., he has a following. People like him inside and out of the Democratic Party. I think a lot of Republicans like him because of his position on the vaccines and on COVID. They don't realize that he's a raging lunatic leftist and a socialist, and his economic policy would be disastrous for the United States. Nonetheless, the Democrats do not want to see him and Biden facing off because it would be, um, it would be in, in, in a word, a bloodbath, a murder, if you will. And so there are any opportunity they get to downgrade, denigrate Robert F. Kennedy Jr., make him a lunatic, because, of course, you don't have to debate a lunatic, right? Same with Trump. I mean, Joe Biden wouldn't have to. If Trump becomes the nominee, Joe Biden doesn't have to debate him. Joe, Joe, Trump is a, a criminal. The president of the United States stooping to the level of debating a criminal? No. And that is exactly how the press would, would, would portray it. So just understand a little bit about what's going on. Now, moving through this piece, there of who should we do? You know, what should we do? And they do not, and I, I've read this a couple of times, I don't, they don't mention the most important person by name. They do not mention Governor Gavin Newsom. It's interesting. Because the way I read news stories, just so you understand, friends, uh, a little um, uh, inside view here of how I operate. 
I read for stuff that isn't in them. I look for stuff that isn't said. And I oftentimes, when it comes to leftist writing, take what they say and, and ask myself, what's the reverse of it? That's why when I see the line of saying, well, Joe Biden is an entirely normal politician, decent and experienced. He presented himself correctly. He's a profound debt of respect and appreciation is owed him. Yeah, all that stuff. I go, no, you know, you understand. The writer of this piece, The Atlantic, understands that Biden is mortally wounded, that this scandal is smoldering and ready to blow the hell up. And they understand that there is only so much water that they can carry for this administration, for this family, for this, you know, moving rolling train wreck this is a never-ending disaster and there's only so much defense that the press can play it has nothing to do with his age it's a convenient excuse if biden was a beloved bumbling fool uh you know it could still work Okay, he slips and falls. Okay, he mumbles and says sentences that, that don't make sense. I got it. If the policy was, was solid, if people were happy with his administration, if, the, if our economy was roaring the way they keep telling us it is, then people would like it. It wouldn't matter. They could, they could carry water for his, for his health. They could hide that no problem. That's easy. It's the other stuff. It's the fact that the economy is not nearly as rosy as we're told. And then obviously combined with the fact that there is a growing scandal of epic proportion related not just to Biden abusing his office as vice president, profiting from it in a way that is scandalous and disqualifies him from being president now, but then an ongoing thuggish cover-up engaging his political operatives, placing them in positions of power in the FBI and the Department of Justice, not only running interference for himself and his family members, which in and of itself I think would be, I don't know, I think that would be somewhat okay. Uh, Hear me out on this. But when you combine that with using those same thug political operatives, Using uh, you know the color of their of their authority to persecute Republicans, that's that's a problem. That now is a problem that cannot just be swept under the rug and is creating a slow burn, even among people who are observing this from the middle. So this um, again, I've, I've told you these stories are going to come out there now. Uh, what's also developing at the same time is. And we've been talking about this sort of you know on and off here about the uh, different uh, Democrats that are out there that are visible. Obviously, RFK Jr. is a declared candidate, and his polling numbers are decent and they're growing. Now, the the one candidate that hasn't declared himself and is, I believe, uh, very much planning to run in twenty twenty four, certainly has declared himself a candidate should Joe Biden step aside. And that's Governor Gavin Newsom of California. Now, Newsom, I want to emphasize this here just before the break. Newsom is beatable. Friends, Newsom is, we can get Newsom. But there's a way at it. Let's talk about that when we come back because I'm telling you, this is just the first drip of many drips to come. 
uh, where the left and their various news sites will begin to gently urge Joe Biden wander off into the sunset. Of course, Joe Biden, being who he is, may not be able to find where the sunset is, and so uh, might get a little complicated. Sam Burjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, you're listening to The What's Right Show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Uh, Sam Marjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. You can always reach me at Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com. Yes, I do check the emails. I read them periodically throughout the show, respond to things as appropriate. And I do try, folks, to respond to all of you when you do email me um, individually. I, I, I make every effort to do that. Sometimes I don't catch an email. Forgive me. I can't do it all. Now, the Atlantic piece, the race for 2024 hereby declared wide open. And wide open, not just, of course, on the Republican side where, you know, the smart money is on Donald Trump carrying the day in the Republican primaries, but also on the Democrat side where, of course, we have an incumbent president who's uh, opened his campaign for re-election. So under normal circumstances... A Republican or Democrat, whatever, incumbent president will run unopposed within his party. That is standard operating procedure. The fact that Biden has what's two declared uh, candidates against him, Marianne Williamson, and, uh, and of course RFK Jr., whose campaign is uh, gaining steam, uh, I tell you, it's it's... Well, you got these pieces. You know, this is the beginnings in the Atlantic, the beginnings of a drip, drip campaign to urge Biden to bow out. Now, a piece about Kamala Harris, a little bit here about her resume being uh, decent but uh, lacking the political skills and heft to be a compelling presidential candidate, declaring her a quote-unquote weak backfill is also a stab in the back, if you will, by the left uh, you know, hoping to kill her off. Um, I'm, you know, proverbially, politically speaking, um, because they don't want to see her around. You see her disastrous performance on Friday? This is making the rounds now. So she's talking about culture. Listen to this. Well, I think culture is, it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And... And, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? Was that English? I think culture is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And, and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. You know what? 
This is what happens when you put someone into a position of responsibility based solely on their gender and on the color of their skin. No one should qualify for a position as important as second in line to the presidency of the United States based on some affirmative action rubric. And I know I'm going to get some blowback on this. I'm just going to remind you that Joe Biden got out there in, what was it, February of you know 2020 and said that he was going to pick a a female of color, a woman of color, to be his vice presidential running mate. This is what got him the prized, coveted endorsement by some powerful folks down there in South Carolina, and that primary got him across the finish line. Remember this. I mean, this was, this is all part of history. It's part of the record. So again, you've got a guy who's decided to, you know, Pick a, you know, pick somebody based on you know qualifications that are irrelevant. Find the best possible person. Find somebody that could pick up the slack for you if you begin to start falling down the, you know, for no reason, in your anti-slip shoes, right? So this is, this is just crazy. They know that they've got a problem. She's a laughing stock. You can't even hide this anymore. In fact, they're they're hiding her. They're limiting her schedule. You'll, you'll notice this. Kamala doesn't make the rounds like she used to. In the beginning, they wanted her everywhere, and then, gosh darn it, she started opening her mouth, and it was hard to imagine her uh, filling Joe Biden's shoes. In fact, the comments after she – did you see this, Robbie? She said this, and then everybody in the media, even <laughs> even some Democrats started saying, well, she's she's making Joe Biden sound coherent. So I guess that's one rule. But the the race, the race is wide open. It is. Now, does uh, Governor Newsom enter the race? I'm, I'm, I still think very strongly that he will. I think he's positioning himself as the leading mainstream Democrat Party candidate. I have no doubt about that. But he's beatable, and I've said this over and over again. He's beatable on his record in California. He's beatable because he's an ultimately very unlikable, sleazy politician guy. He's got a saccharine, disgustingly overly sweet smile on his face. His smile, he looks, yeah, what's what's that character? American Psycho, Christian Bale, right? It's that kind of character. He's a pretty boy. I don't know if that sells across the country. Californians, I mean, it's, you know, you get, they're, they are who they are. But a guy like Newsom, I, he's beatable. Now, it's, it's going to be interesting because a very important component of beating Newsom will be to have a competitive Republican primary. And I'll say this again for the umpteenth time. It is important that we not get ourselves into a position as Republicans that we anoint someone who we feel deserves the nomination. If it's, look, if it's Trump, he's got to fight for it. He's got he's to win it outright. I don't believe in the smoke-filled rooms and the party elders picking the candidate. That's what the Democrats do. And I know there's a popular feeling among some Republicans saying, well, I wish we could do that here because we know who the best candidate is. 
I mean, I think that establishment thinking likes DeSantis, but DeSantis is he's sinking, folks. In fact, I want to mention that here when we come back. Yeah, the campaign's not doing great. I'll give you my thoughts on that. You might be surprised with what I say. Sam Rachowski, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Be back in just a moment, folks. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Well, speaking of Californians here in Nevada, Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. I am Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. And this is the What's Right show. Uh, This was a funny story. I got to mention this quickly before we get too distracted with all the high-level political stuff. Uh, This is um, is Channel 5, Fox 5 Vegas, reporting that a license plate that went viral earlier this year, the license plate is – I'm going to give you the letters of it first, okay, the the actual – the seven characters that this plate has. See if you can figure this out. G, zero, BK, so Bravo, Kilo, two, CA, Charlie Alpha. Yep, go back to California <laughs> on one of those uh, older uh, Nevada Silver State frames, um, uh, plates. <laughs> the DMV's taking it back. Uh <laughs> So this plate went viral on Facebook, uh, received over 80,000 likes, which is probably, I think, everyone who is on Facebook in the state of Nevada. Uh, (laughs) uh, But it's been recalled by the DMV. The owner of the plate, Adam Steelman, says that he has no – had no issues with the DMV. He's had the plate for two decades until last month because it went viral. Local law enforcement pulled me over. They told me they liked my license plate. Texas pulled me over. They liked the plate. Everybody likes the plate. Hell, I'm guy from California. I like the plate. Because he's not telling me to go back to California. My senses, and I don't know Mr. Steelman, but my senses, uh, if he's listening, he probably is listening to this program, okay? And... It's the Californication of Nevada. Don't California my Nevada. And I say that as a guy who's only been here for a few years. I say this as a newbie. I came here because Nevada is not California. So don't do that to me. And and the plate, I think, is, is hilarious. The, now, the state statute says, you know, uh, certain things you can't uh, express contempt, ridicule, or, uh, or superiority. Uh, yeah, express superiority of a race, ethnic heritage, or gender. Uh, no, uh, nothing that's derogatory, obscene, no reference to drugs, etc. Or, and this is the part that might have gotten him into trouble. Uh, can't make a defamatory reference to a person or a group. I guess Californians are a group. Uh, sometimes perceived here in Nevada as a horde. You'll allow me to put it that way in terms of the numbers. Now, why are they coming here? They're coming here because, because California sucks. It's coming apart. And it's coming apart because the people running it are uh, are failing. 
Now, only in the Democratic Party can you run and win off of failure. It is a, a amazingly perplexing thing to me. So, you know, Joe Biden's running for re-election on a platform of failure. Tell me something that's going well. The economy, the economy is artificially inflated. It's showing signs of stress. You've got uh, regulation increasing, which is going to create an enormous amount of economic pain in the coming months and years. You have a world stage that is absolutely a tinderbox that in some cases like Ukraine has, has blown up, not something that would have happened on Trump's watch. I have absolutely no doubt about that. And so and these are just some mentions, right? We are our relations with Saudi Arabia in the toilet. Uh, we are not producing oil domestically like we were. We went from being energy independent to energy dependent. And at the same time, we're, we, we managed to politically piss off the people that were that were giving us oil or we were depending on for oil. This is just, I mean, I can't even, I can't even. But of course, these are all wins. Biden's doing a great job. And that's what Newsom's going to do as well. So on the Republican side, we've got to think whether we're running against Newsom or running against what's left of Joe Biden, who are we running on our side? And I wanted to mention there's been some talk here of, um, well, that DeSantis' campaign is, is on the ropes, and that's because his, his numbers are flat. Some cases have dropped. And um, this was an interesting, uh, you know, uh, radio host Mark Simone uh, mentioned that uh, DeSantis is withering on the vine. Now, I want to – one thing I want to say here from the, from the get-go, there's a lot of things I really like about DeSantis, and I think he'd make a very effective president. Now, the other thing I have said is you got to watch this Vivek Ramaswamy guy, and I, I was talking about him when he was 1%, and I was getting emails from many of you saying, stop talking – Vivek who? What are you talking about? Well, Vivek's at 10%. He's in double digits now. In just a couple of months. And why I am saying this is, again, the race is in flux. These numbers are in flux. They're going to go up. They're going to go down. They're going to, they're going to vary for individual candidates. You're going to have some people rise, some people fall. Some people that fall are going to rise again. Mark Simone said this yesterday on Fox Business with Larry Kudlow. Kudlow asks about this, and Simone responds. Is DeSantis going to be out of the race? What's your view? Serious view. Serious question. Uh, I, I, listen, we like the guy. we got to do an intervention. we got to tell him, you're 44 years old. You're <laughs> way too early. Wait 10 years when you're in your 50s and do it. Uh, he, he doesn't have the campaign skills. He is, uh, talk about failure to launch, he's just sinking. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, you're right, Vivek will, will pass him pretty soon. And I don't think he has to drop out. He's just going to fade out and just wither and die on the vine there. Yeah, and this um, is an interesting take. I, I'll, I, I don't necessarily agree with it that he's going to wither and die. I think that, uh, that DeSantis is still a formidable force. But one thing I've noticed about DeSantis is that he just does not come across strong enough when he's doing public appearances. 
He just he just sounds and maybe it's his voice. And I've, you know, gotten complaints about my voice from people. And by the way, you want to know the strangest thing is I mean, sometimes I'll go back and I'll listen to a show and I I have to do this because it's part of part of what you do. I listen to my show and I go, "Oh my gosh, is that what I sound like? It's awful." How can anybody listen to me? But anyway, that's a <laughs> that's just a quick aside. DeSantis has this it's just he lacks something in the presence department. He's got the substance. He's um he's not somebody that and and maybe does that change does in 10 years is this what Simone is saying that you know you 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 in 10 years you have you know, a little bit more gray hair, you uh, maybe, you know, have a little bit of a deeper voice, you're a little bit more mellow, you got a more fatherly figure, you know, kind of a maturity, it happens to men, right? I say this as somebody who's, well, I'm a year younger than DeSantis, I, 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 I think I'm just kind of hitting my stride in life professionally, and I certainly think I'm, I'm also just in a position where, where I'm, I'm starting to look at least like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so there is a fair point on that. Biden's too old. Trump is getting up there in, in years, but his energy is off, you know, off the charts, and his presentation is powerful. And the substance of DeSantis is what I've always liked. Now, Ramaswamy, yeah, let's, let's just consider this for a minute. We've played uh, for you many clips of him talking and, and expressing issues. He's, he's formidable. I mean, he is an absolutely dynamite, off-the-charts, high-energy candidate. And what I see there is, is somebody who, who could capture the heart and soul of the Republican Party. And as, as Newsom and Biden, everybody are focusing on Trump and, and really DeSantis, you know, you'll notice Newsom's efforts have been almost squarely focused on DeSantis, as his foil on the Republican side um, might have been ill-informed. You might have somebody come from, you know, from, from out there who's, who's, uh, who's not, not expected. And Ramaswamy on a principled place as a tech guy with California, you know, bona fides, understanding what is wrong with the state. Imagine what a devastating candidate he would be running against somebody like uh, Newsom, right? Any any Democrat who hails from a blue dysfunctional state or a blue dysfunctional city, right? Absolutely formidable. Somebody who's actually built a business, somebody who understands tech, who understands the future of the economy, uh, it's just be a, 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 a you know really strong candidate. I've said this from the beginning. Now Ramaswamy's young too, but he's picking up steam. His trajectory is going up. By the way, did you see this? I, this story has been brewing for a a short little while. DeSantis sort of fell on his face a little bit. His pack came out with an ad. Did you see this? Uh, been a, it's been called an anti LGBTQ ad. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I just I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about this. I I got to go to the break, but because he's gotten he's gotten a lot of lot of you know raised eyebrows even from Republicans on this. And I'll tell you what I think about it when we return. 
Yeah, interesting stuff. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. This, I think, is an example of a misstep. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show, is on Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, so I, uh, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, first-hand history in a moment. I want to talk about this ad that uh, was put out by the DeSantis War Room. The campaign uh, produced, it's like a, a minute 13 seconds, minute 20 seconds or so. The first uh, part of the video, I'm not going to play it here because it's it's very visual. So, of course, radio being the theater of the mind, I would have to still talk over it. And there's thumping loud music in the second half, so I think it would make for a very uncomfortable listening experience. But I'll describe the video to you if you haven't seen it. It certainly is out there available, and perhaps we're going to repost it. But uh, repost it certainly without an endorsement of the messaging in the ad. I think you'll be surprised by my view of this here as I as I discuss it. So the ad is uh, first opens with Donald Trump uh, during the 2016 campaign saying things that, uh, you know, uh, now DeSantis is cut up and, and is using against him. And it's uh, it's stuff that, you know. Uh, basically, there's one part in there where he says, I'm going to do everything in my power to protect LGBTQ people in America. Trump says that. Then there's another part where he's asked if Caitlyn Jenner were to go to Trump Tower, if he had any problem with her using the uh, women's restroom, and he says no. Those were the two notable moments. And then it cuts to a... I mean, it, it, I, I don't even understand. There's like some kind of a, a heavy beat, like a hero, you know, hero march beat of DeSantis. All these headlines of DeSantis being anti-LGBTQIA+, and all the stuff he's done to curtail uh, LGBTQIA people. And they're, by the way, they're these are headlines that I think are incorrect, really, uh, are are. <laughs> Express the liberals' view of what DeSantis is doing. And DeSantis is taking those and highlighting them in his own ad. Now, I I find this whole advertisement perplexing. First off, um, you know, I well, let me go back. I told you I was going to go back and do some history. My entire take on the LGBTQIA plus two spirit movement is that um, it's it's a disservice. The movement is a disservice to Americans who are gay, who are whatever, living their lives, um, and our professionals, our neighbors, our friends are in the community uh, because the movement itself is a small minority of people who suck all the oxygen out of the room. My fight, my gripe, if you will, is with, generally speaking, the radical elements of the movement. My gripe is with is is the kids, right? You know, this effort to 
fast track kids into getting, you know, gender affirming care, I think is absurd. And I think it is it needs to be spoken out against. It is morally reprehensible. It has nothing to do with LGBTQIA plus rights. It has everything to do with maiming and harming kids, vulnerable kids in many cases, right? We know this now statistically. And that is, you know, if I had to sum up what the, the bulk of, of, uh, of what's in this ad, all these headlines, they're wrong. I mean, DeSantis goes out there and he's, he's a very, been very reasonable. Says, look, don't, don't teach kids about sexuality in K through th- third grade. If you do, you need parental consent. And that parental consent bill gets turned into a don't say gay bill. Now, why would he propagate those kind of headlines in his own advertising? It does make sense. It's almost like this is like self-sabotage. And they haven't dis- – I, I, I waited to talk about this because I wanted to see what the DeSantis team would, would, would say to this. <laughs> maybe this was, this was some kind of – yeah, maybe this was actually put out by, by the Trump people to, to hurt DeSantis. But I go back to the 2016 race. I was in Cleveland at the convention, and producer Robbie and I, in what might have been a bit of an ill-fated adventure, ended up at a small gathering – because there's various events when you go to these conventions. It's a big political party. So we end up going to this event. Now, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what it, what it is, okay, it, what it was. We went to the Twinks for Trump event. Now, I, I'm not going to explain what a twink is right here, but you can go look it up. Now, what it was was a big room in one of the hotels or one of the convention centers, and it was uh, uh, floor-to-ceiling giant photographs of young men uh, wearing uh, Trump hats (laughs) and draped in pride flags, basically, and very little else, as I recall. Um, I escaped, by the way, the event unscathed. Uh, Producer Robbie almost almost was taken home by a overzealous LGBTQ uh, Trump supporter. Um, I, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school here, Robbie. But at any rate, it was a lot of fun. Here were the speakers. By the way, I, 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 we went primarily because um, there was a uh, – who was there? Who was all speaking there? Who was the speaker lineup? Oh, it was LGB Trump. Sorry, LGBT, and it was LGB Trump. That was the name of the event. Producer Robbie's correcting me. But we had uh, Hirt Wilders, who was the very brave member of parliament from, from uh, the Netherlands. He was speaking there. I got to meet him. Um, the lady who organized the draw, Muhammad Day, in, in, in Texas, she was speaking there. And remember, at this point in time, there was tremendous alignment between the freedoms sought by the gay community, if you will, from elements of radical Islam that were being pushed by the Democrats and under Obama, you know, if you're a radical Islamist, you've got carte blanche and expensive other people. And Trump was able to, in 2016, make inroads as a Republican with people that were, uh, for years, considered firmly in the Democrat Party House. And this was um, 
and this was this is what you do, folks. This is what you have to do to win elections. And by the way, it was a great event. You realize that there were a lot of things that we agree on, right? Turns out that you know, you know gay people like Second Amendment rights too. Gay people like First Amendment rights. Gay people want a great economy. Gay people want a lot of the same things that I want. I just want to keep the radical elements of the LGBTQIA plus two spirit movement away from the kids. That's what I want. And by the way, there's a tremendous amount of agreement now with rank and file gay Americans that the movement has gone off the the cliff in terms of its extremism. And this is an enormous miscalculation by DeSantis, maybe a fatal miscalculation to put this garbage ad out. Because this isn't a fight against LGBT people. This is a fight against the, the radicals and what they're pushing. You can't win elections by burning bridges. I don't care if it's a primary. You can't do it. Trump gets himself in this position too other times, but this is a very important point. I got to run here. We, top of the hour coming up. But I, I just, we'll follow up more on this as it develops, but just need to let you know this. Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT, The What's Right Show. We'll continue. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamandAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. Friends, welcome back to the program. Sam Rajofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian truth teller, lawyer, and all-around good guy. Reporting for duty. Yes, sirree, Bob. I know I'm going to get some some emails here about. Uh, I'm not knocking to say I'm telling you the ad that DeSantis put out, going after Trump on LGBT stuff is is uh, over the top. And my criticism of it is that he is adopting in an ad that I would expect be designed to help boost him as a candidate. He's using headlines that are, uh, you know, left-wing hit jobs on him that misstate his position. The left-wing media puts him out there as an anti-gay guy, as an anti-gay rights person. The platform that DeSantis has is not anti-gay. That's how they want to represent him as being. It's not that. It's leave the kids alone, right? Let, you know, women compete against women, men against men in sports. It's common sense stuff. And it's where the movement, the LGBT movement, has gone uh, off the rails and I think is alienating most Americans. When you get into the individual issues, this is a... Uh, the DeSantis positions, by and large, are, uh, I think, attractive to a majority of Americans. It's a winning proposition for the general election, but not by embracing the sort of, I'm the, this warrior, I'm going after people. you got to see the ad. Again, I'm not playing it here because it's mostly visual. But it's just, it's, it's just an odd, weird, uh, unnecessarily aggressive ad. 
So DeSantis gets asked about the ad. I want to. I wanted to bring this up. I didn't have time. Top of the hour here. I just. I want to get back to it real fast. Tommy Lahren on her podcast asks him about it, and here's here's DeSantis's response, which in and of itself is not bad, but but still kind of misses the point on the ad. I think you know identifying uh, Donald Trump as really being a pioneer in injecting gender ideology into the mainstream where he was having men compete against women in his beauty pageants. I think that's totally fair game because he's now campaigning saying the opposite, that he doesn't think that you should have uh, men competing in women's things like athletics. And so we've been very clear on it that uh, we believe in protecting the rights of our girls and the rights of women athletes to be able to participate with fairness and with integrity. And ultimately, when you talk about some of the gender ideology that's being unleashed in this country, it's just a fundamental issue of, you know, what role, I think it's an attack on women's rights more broadly to say that gender is fluid. And I also think it's an attack on the truth itself. Attack on the truth. I don't disagree with him what he's saying here. But it's, this is it's it's politically tone deaf this 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 approach here's the winning position we're republican we're conservative we are and i'm speaking now i think for i i know for myself and i believe for most of you listening we're not anti-gay what you do in your privacy your home god bless you enjoy it we actually don't care we don't give a rip who you love what we want is we want the innocence of children to be preserved. We believe that if we've set as a society 18 as a threshold for when you are truly responsible for making big decisions, permanent decisions in your life, a decision like the removal of healthy parts of your body because you believe you are born into the wrong body, the wrong gender, that that is a decision you ought to be making when you're 18 and not when you're 14 or 13 or 12. That's what we believe. Protect kids. Okay, and if you grow up and you, you, know, you, you want to do this stuff, go ahead. It's a free country. Live and let live. That's my position. It's common sense. But I, I, I don't I don't like the idea of of I don't know of, of attacking gays and or, or making you know particularly not endorsing through advertising the unfair attacks on DeSantis's positions. I think that that's 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 just a, a bad tactical move. All right. So enough about this. Now I. Yes, the, the, I know the, the, the cocaine thing is continuing in the White House, and people are saying it's not a big deal. I don't know if – where do I have it here in my stack? Yeah, Kaylee McEnany, you know, this is the milk toast gal, uh, former White House press secretary. She's thrown cold water on the suggestion that Coke found at the White House over the holiday could have belonged to Hunter Biden. She repeats the story. You know, Hunter Biden left on Friday. There's no way it's inconceivable to think that cocaine could sit for a 72-hour period at the White House, so I would rule him out at this point. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me 
uh, last night, said, listen to the show and said, well, you know, Sam, I, this doesn't really matter, right? It's not an issue. And I said, whoa, 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 it is an issue. If for no other reason than the pretext for giving and condition of giving Hunter Biden the sweetheart plea deal being that he's enrolled in a diversion program and that he's ensuring himself to be substance free, right? That the excuse that he has been given is reason he's avoided felony charges, presumably for this IRS problem and the gun problem, is that he was an addict and he was not in his right frame of mind and that he has atoned for that and that he has cleaned himself up. So this is all very relevant. And as far as when Hunter left and when the cocaine was actually found and all this stuff, I just don't believe anything I hear yet until it's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm just very skeptical of the entire narrative. And I saw the video of him on the balcony on the 4th of July. It looked very, very suspect, okay? The guy was fidgety as all hell and rubbing his nose. and uh, So we're done being gaslit. And I can, all the Republicans out there that want to hold water and carry water for, for, for uh, the Bidens, fine. Go ahead. Now, here's what's telling about it. The reason why I think McEnany and any Republican or Democrat, for that matter, that is defending Hunter Biden on this is wrong. It's been a week now, okay? It's coming up to a week. The story broke over the weekend last weekend. Okay, so there was a guy, the ex- uh, CPB Commissioner Mark Morgan uh, told the Daily Mail that the Secret Service should already know uh, who done it. That this is not a mystery. It's in the White House for Pete's sake. Morgan's best guess um, is that the cocaine belonged to somebody who's not working permanently at the White House. So it could be it could be a senior level person. Uh, it could be uh, you know a family member. It could be somebody who had access but it's not a regular employee. But the point of his uh, remarks and his comments in this article is what I think we all understand viscerally get is that this is not a mystery. It's the White House. There's cameras. Everybody has to be signed in and signed out of not just the area itself, but out of individual zones within the building. It is, one would think, the most secure or one of the most secure areas in the entire country. So this isn't like your house or a community center in Henderson, okay? This, this is the freaking White House. And the idea that this just sort of, we can't get to the bottom of it, is, is nonsense. And CNN and everybody in the media is already doing this. They're already prepping us for, oh, there might not be an answer here. Nonsense. By the way, this literally, CNN, what is it, Poppy Harlow? This morning talking to Priscilla Alvarez. This is their exchange. You're, you're, I already know where the media is going with this. It's patently obvious. Jeremy Diamond's reporting and your team's reporting is that it's going to end next week, but yet they don't have a lot of the information, right, from the DNA tests, et cetera. That's right, Poppy. And this is on track to end whether or not a suspect hmm. is identified. So as of yesterday afternoon, Secret Service was still looking through security footage and visitor logs. 
And they still had not received the results of the DNA test as well as the fingerprint analysis. So all of that is still underway. The timeline could still be fluid, but as of now, it is still very much on track to end early next week. And all that we have heard up to this point is that it just may be very difficult to identify who brought this in and then how it got in to begin so, with. So just to be clear, it might end without answers, right? That's right. So we know exactly when and how what boxes were moved around Mar-a-Lago, which is not the White House. We're continuously told how unsecure Mar-a-Lago is. But in the most secure building in Washington, D.C., the White House, uh, we don't know who came in and and left a bag of Coke on uh, a table outside the Situation Room. Really? I don't believe any of this. And if you do, I suggest that you go and have your head examined. Sam Rajofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. We'll be back in a moment. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rajovsky here, your host of the What's Right program, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you're hurt in an accident, any accident or injury, this is the only firm to trust in Nevada or California. 702-820-1234, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Now, I got an email from a listener. I want to respond to this uh, real fast because it's an interesting question. And I'll get to this. Robert uh, wrote me and said, hey, love your What's Right show, Sam. Uh, I mentioned the Lewis Brisboy law firm, the one where the scandal ensued involving toxic emails sent by former employees. And Robert asked if those emails are public record, um, if you can read them online. I, I, I went ahead and I responded uh, to you, uh, Robert, earlier today in the morning, I sent you the original LA Times story that broke it. I think that's the only place where you can see the emails. Now, the reason I'm, the reason I am bringing this up because there actually is a follow up to the story that I didn't get around to until, uh, until I had uh, uh, Robert here remind me, and that is okay. Do you remember the story? Quick refresher. Two top lawyers leave one of the largest law firms in the U.S., Louis Brisbois. And by the way, I routinely work on cases against Louis Brisbois. They are uh, a top defense firm. They represent a number of big-name insurance companies, and they are very famous for not liking to pay any money to people who legitimately need it. So I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm always a little delighted when I see a firm like this. Uh, have something happen to it. But here's what happened. And there's a great moral of the story here for each and every one of us to take note of. So originally, two top lawyers from Louis Brisbois decide to leave the firm. Now this happens, okay? It's very common. And and when big, you know, you got these big law firms with thousands of lawyers, you know, occasionally a few will splinter off and start their own firm. And they will take, invariably will take a few clients with them and when when they do that when they do that okay there's an understanding uh, you know you don't take 
too many. You don't damage the firm that you're leaving. You, you, you know, you go palms up. You say, listen, we're going to break off. We've decided that's the right move for us career-wise. We understand it's disappointing. Uh, we're going to affect this as best as we can. We're going to work with you on the fees, on any overlap and all this stuff. But these two guys, their names, uh, John Barber and Jeff Rainan, they left the firm to start their own boutique practice and basically did a big speech to a bunch of current lawyers over at Lewis Brisbois, described by people in the room as being a little bit of like a Jerry Maguire type event. Who's with me? Who's with me? Let's we're gonna start a practice that actually treats lawyers like decent human beings and knocked, criticized, right? Their former firm. That they were on the way out of. So they stole people, they stole clients, they trashed their former firm, and the Lewis Brisboy management go, aha, we're going to punish you. We're gonna, we're gonna end you, we're gonna cancel you. And they did that. They went to the LA Times. This was a piece published on June 7th. I talked about it here on this program when it came out. These emails that came out were, uh, well, they were racist and sexist and, and pretty despicable all around. And these guys ended up getting kicked out of their own firm that they'd started and are now out on the street, basically. They've jobless and, you know, and careerless, and, uh, and that's that. Now, I believe at the moment that I said this, I said this is a dangerous move by Lewis Brisbois because it makes them look bad. No, because it's years of years. Emails, they go back, page two here of the LA Times piece, the emails stretching back 15 years were head spinning in their coarseness and vitriol. So for 15 years, these guys are operating inside of a major law firm and they are putting all this garbage out, right? And nobody's saying anything about it. Nobody's catching it. Nobody knew that these guys were such terrible racists in their midst, doubt it there were other people in the company in on these email threads and they're all culpable for not doing anything about it for years and years and years and so there was a news story and this robert this is the update here bloomberg law in a business profile when did this come out came out a couple days ago la county cuts ties with lewis brisbois after racist emails the county of los angeles is ending its relationship with lewis brisbois after the law firm released sexist, racist, and anti-Semitic emails with two of its former senior partners, meaning that L.A. County on June 16th, which would have been, what is that, exactly two weeks after, not even, a week, a week after the story broke in the L.A. Times, said, you're not, we're not going to use you guys anymore. Now, that's a loss of a big client. And this is, the, the, the moral of the story here, of course, is that, you know, sometimes you get you get an idea in your head you're going to affect revenge on somebody <laughs> and that there's not going to be any blowback on you. Well, guess what? There was. And losing a major account, and I would assume from my personal experience that Louis Brisbois has represented the county of Los Angeles as outside counsel for years, I mean, probably decades Fun note, by the way, the uh, counsel for the county of Los Angeles in these matters is a law firm founded by my partner, Ash Watkins' father, 
and um, and so there's um, I, I know a lot about this world of public entity defense, not just as a plaintiff's attorney having represented clients against the county of L.A. and the county of, of, of Orange County. But, you know, we have a certain inside connection there. And I can yeah, I can tell you and we I was I saw this article and suggested maybe that Ash's dad could pick up this this account. But um, to be to be sure. Right. The the. The issue here is that Brisboy decided to nail these two guys to the wall, and in doing so, they really exposed the fact that they themselves let this go on. I, yeah, I wonder, and you got to understand, this is why, this is why the left, the media too, they understand. If they pull one thread, if they pull on one thread right now dealing with the Justice Department, the FBI, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, any of these people, they pull on it just a little bit. The whole thing falls apart. It's not just about protecting Joe Biden. It's about protecting the entire institution that is the deep state right now. They're just smart enough to understand they've got to fight, fight, fight to protect all of this from coming public. And this is in part why I've so strongly believed that I so strongly believe that that they're going to find ways to sideline Joe. They're they're going to sacrifice Joe in an effort to save themselves. Because as long as Joe's there, he's taking the shots, and the Republicans are going after him, and they need a clean slate. Get him out of office before this gets bad. Make him a lame duck. Make him a less attractive political target. Because the longer he's out there drawing fire, the longer and more exposure they get, and they being, you know, all the all the folks at the FBI and the in the in the at the CIA at, at at DOJ, all these departments, it's an existential fight for survival. There's no other way to put it. Friends, I'll be back in a moment. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840, the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to salmonashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right. All right, my friends, I want to mention something here on the What's Right show that I periodically uh, allude to in passing, but I just I want to explain one of my side hobbies. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. I am somebody that loves to be busy. If you had a glimpse of my day, it would be like one of those hamsters just going crazy on the wheel. I am constantly in motion. And one of the things that I love, of course, I love being a lawyer. I love uh, uh, working here at Sam and Ash Injury Law. I love doing that. I also uh, obviously enjoy this program which brings me tremendous fulfillment and, you know, a lot of effort and work goes into it behind the scenes. Producer Robbie is, uh, you know, working day and night to uh, pull together content and information and notes and everything. So this, this, this is a, a, an effort here underway to produce something that is tolerably interesting for each and every one of you to enjoy Monday through Friday. There's another small little side project that I have, and that's because – I mean, I love Nevada. I love politics. I, I, I love this country. 
I love my family, I, I, a lot of things. I, I also, for a relatively thin guy, I have to tell you, I love food. And so every week, I get to, I try to do it every week. We do a podcast uh, here in the studio, and it's called Eat, Talk, Repeat. Now, it's me a little bit, mostly led, in fact, by my partner, Ash Watkins. And Ashley and... Uh, and, and, our, and our, our main pontificator on the show is a gentleman named John Curtis, who's a dear friend of mine. Now, I frequently will talk about my liberal left-wing Democrat friends here on the What's Right show. And I stress the importance of being, well, having opinions. Those are good. Having spirited discussions. Those are good. But still maintaining civil relations with people that you disagree with. And John is a, a great example of that. We disagree on a lot politically. Actually, during COVID, we ended up coming together quite a bit. John is an attorney for the city of Las Vegas. He is also uh, the top food critic and has been here in Las Vegas for many, many years. Had a show on PBS. He's nationally known, recognized. I'm always surprised because, you know, I, I think of him as a local figure, and then I see him off, you know, talking to Wolfgang Puck, for example, a couple weeks ago in Beverly Hills, talking to Wolfgang Puck. They've known each other for years. He's an extremely connected and interesting guy. And uh, he's got a blog, EatingLasVegas, EatingLV.com, I believe is the the blog. It's Being John Curtis, C-U-R-T-A-S. He's just, if you like food, okay, if you're a food person, want to know where to eat, and, you know, you like, you know, good elevated food. Not all of it's expensive, by the way. A lot of it's, you know, can be can be quite reasonable. Good food doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Uh, side note, but we do this this podcast. We recorded it this morning. We had tons of fun and laughed and laughed and laughed. I I'm just I'm kind of a sidekick in it. I run the board and enjoy you know giving my ten cents on it. But it's it's not political at all. But you can get the podcast the same places you get the What's Right Show podcast. Eat, talk, repeat. It's all about Vegas food. If, by the way, if you're many of you are listening outside of Las Vegas, and you think maybe I'm gonna, you're gonna come visit Vegas, you, you know, you're gonna learn stuff about the food scene when you come here with your friends or your significant other. You come to Vegas, you're gonna know things about the food scene by listening to Eat Talk Repeat that you, uh, you know, it's gonna make you sound like the smartest you know person in the room. So, Eat Talk Repeat, uh, go check it out, uh, follow us and whatnot. It's it's just a fun. It's a fun little side project, and, and the best part about it is if you get annoyed uh, with my voice, I'm really the third wheel on this show, and it's and, and Ashley's just uh, so phenomenally smart and bright, and she uh, is becoming quite a, a, a food uh, critic herself, uh, and is you know, and John is, is, is wildly entertaining, and one of these great treasures of, of a human being in, in Las Vegas, and Again, I explain this. You can find common ground with people even if you disagree with them. And I will tell you my best show prep here is talking to, to people on the other side. So I have to think, you know, I mean, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say things to me like this cocaine thing doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. My reaction, of course, is, well, let's, let's find out how it matters. It matters because it's relevant to the sweetheart non-prosecution plea deal that he's getting because uh, it's a condition in there that's how it's relevant so if it's his stuff and he's on the juice you know it's uh it's uh it's relevant and should disqualify him from getting a no jail plea deal 
Speaking of Hunter Biden, so these are examples. I'm just I'm throwing it out there for all of you to just consider. I um I also while we're on the subject of <laughs> disagreeing with people, uh, for example, our neighbors. It's okay, friends, to disagree with our neighbors, particularly when your neighbor is the state of California. I don't know if you caught this. Yahoo News reported that on July the 1st, our, by the way, our minimum wage uh, went up uh, to eleven twenty-five an hour. And, uh, you know, I, I'm setting aside right now the conversation about minimum wage laws uh, for a moment. At West Hollywood, California, July 1, their minimum wage jumped to, are you ready for this? Nineteen oh eight an hour. Nineteen oh eight, almost twenty dollars. L.A. right now is flirting with a twenty-five dollar minimum wage law, and uh, and and look, I mean, there's there's people in L.A. City Council member current price says that uh, should go up to twenty-five an hour, and the overall goal to increase minimum wage to thirty an hour. This now, let me return now to talk to you about uh, minimum wage. Um, listen, minimum wage is not meant to be a permanent living wage. Minimum wage is the smallest, ought to be the smallest amount of money that an employer can pay to a willing employee with zero experience. That is what minimum wage ought to be defined as. And it ought not to be set by any regulatory power or the government. Why? Because there are a fixed uh, fixed number of there are a fixed number of, 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 of workers in a country at a given time. And the demand and supply, the supply and demand for that employment sets the rate. Price fixing, it doesn't matter if it's with wages or with the cost of goods. Price fixing always messes with the supply and demand curve. How does it impact employment? It's very simple. Employers cannot afford paying $19 an hour. These are, by the way, the same business owners that are getting effed by the, by the state, by the government, by the city that they're in being prevented from operating their businesses in a safe manner, got homeless people encamped out front. They've got crime out of control. Their businesses are getting broken into. They've got people coming in and stealing and looting their stores. There, there's legislation passed in California preventing them from even interfering with the robbery in progress. And then they turn around and they say, okay, well, you got to pay everybody 19 bucks an hour. In fantasy land which is where Democrats live and are very comfortable. It's the natural habitat of the Democrat wildest. And that's in there. You, of course, 19 bucks an hour. Yeah, because that's what, that's what you need to live on. But for the store that has a fixed budget, right, a fixed budget, what are they going to do? They're going to fire one of their workers. That's what they're going to do. That's the only way they can make it work. If they've got four or five employees, they're going to cut one or two of them. They'll drive down their labor rate to what it was. That's how it works. 
Democrats, the problem is Democrats see every business owner as exploitative, as every, every as greedy, as, as um, just this avaricious, you know, caricature of a capitalist. These businesses, these small businesses that are paying these kind of wages, for the most part, these people are barely making it. Particularly in places like West Hollywood and Los Angeles. What it's supposed to be is you're paying somebody to teach them how to do a job. No one, none of these people on city council, by the way, have ever operated, I'm convinced have ever operated a business. Because if they'd had, they would know that there is a cost associated with retraining a worker. So what happens is you start somebody at a, at a lower rate. You teach them something, and all of a sudden they're more valuable because if they walk out the door, you got to start over from nothing. Every one of you listening right now who's ever been a business owner or a manager knows exactly what I'm talking about. And at that point, you pay them more. And the more that they do, the more you pay them. Now, if somebody is untrainable and a total loser, do they deserve $25 an hour? Absolutely not. You don't get it just because the state sets that as a minimum. The other thing is it's going to make employment for teens and people who need to work, um, gain experience part-time, nearly impossible. It's priced high school students out of the job market. There's all sorts of negatives that come of this. These people are so fantastically stupid. It's unbelievable. So this um, this is something we need to avoid here in Nevada. Even the I just I just don't believe in a minimum wage at all. All right, quick break. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk eight forty. You're listening to the What's Right Show. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Well, speaking of minimum wage and employment, news uh, from the Labor Board, wages low, unemployment are pressuring the Federal Reserve to raise rates Uh, Even though hiring did cool overall in June, average hourly earnings grew 4.4%. People also, it's uh, important to note, people are also not leaving voluntarily their jobs at the same level, which indicates people are more concerned about finding new jobs or better jobs. They're staying in their positions so this is a, a mixed jobs report. I, I think it's funny because I saw this other story here that I want to share with you. <laughs> it turns out this was published earlier this year, but just came across my desk. Um, where was this? CNBC. This is a business site. Okay, so this is real news. Resumes including they, them pronouns are more likely – to be overlooked according to a new report. Business.com, business resource platform, claimed that over 80% of non-binary people believe that identifying as non-binary would hurt their job search. Yeah, no crap. 51% believe that their gender identity has affected their workplace experience very or somewhat negatively. Look, I... Can I give the employer perspective here for for a moment? Look, we, it doesn't matter who you. I, we just we just want you to do the job. 
if you lead on your resume with a in-your-face, here's who I am, I demand to be referred to as they, them, it's, look, I'm going to read that candidly, and I, I'm going to go, this, this, this person wants me to bend over backwards to adjust and accommodate their reality. My priority is not your reality. If you work for me, I'm sorry. It's not my priority. My priority is doing good work for our clients. Our clients are my priority. And because of that, they need to be your priority too. So I I see this whole pronoun thing as being very much also part of the selfishness of Gen Z where everybody is me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. Look at me. I'm important. I matter. You know, when I was starting out uh, as a wee young man in the business world working, I, I, I um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I tell you, I, I <laughs> nobody, nobody cared. They, they'd said, Sam, here's what you're going to be doing. Sit in this chair. There's the phone. There's the computer. There are the files. Do the work. And by the way, I was, I was delighted because that's what I wanted. I would tell people, listen, I, what's your objective? What do you need from me? And then my entire existence at work, in, in every job that I've ever had working for somebody else, is to make sure that I was fulfilling above and beyond what the employer, the boss of the company expected from me. You know, there's another irony in this, honestly, and uh, not to get too, phys- me- you know, metaphysical here, but, um, you know, it's, are we the most happiest? Religious people know this for a fact. Most happiest or the most fulfilled when you're mission-focused and losing yourself in the service of others. Aren't you happy when you accomplish things? Having pronouns in your bio and being different is not an accomplishment that is not a that's not relevant to your resume i don't care you 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 i remember my mentality and i'm i'm saying this as somebody who's been reasonably successful in life my mentality as a young person is you could literally call me billy bob or billy jean i don't care as long as you give me a paycheck and reward me for working hard. So yeah, when I see they, them in a, in a, uh, on a resume, what do I think? I think this person's fragile. This person's a me person. This person thinks that they're important. And, and by the way, I'm an employer that will bend over backwards for people. I mean, you know, I, I, at any given time, there's somebody working, uh, you know, at our firm that has something ba- really, truly devastating going on it seems right and i'm 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 privy to that as the boss i'm always aware of all the stuff that everybody's dealing with and i'll bend over backwards for you you know if you're a hard worker and and you're a you're a solid employee and you know, you need something i'm the first to give it to you and people who've worked for me over the years know this but i this stuff is nonsense it it remind there's another there's another story where I've got this here in my stack of stuff. Let me pull this up. This was, yeah, this was uh, just over the weekend. That's right. This is what triggered me finding the other story. Somebody's complaining in the New York Post, a story by Andrew Court, 
Melissa Sloan, who lives in Wales in the United Kingdom, has 800 tattoos and says she can't find a job. Apparently, she claims it's because her bosses judge her for her inked-up appearance. Melissa, I don't think you're wrong. (laughs) I'm looking at a photo of her. She looks like black and blue. Oh, and I'm looking at a picture here. Yeah, this is is sad, Robbie. She's not not an unattractive lady. She's just a a, a nice-looking gal. And then gradually her entire face, body, everything covered in tattoos. She looks horrifying. She's turned herself into a monster. And now she's wondering why she's not getting work and she thinks that this is unfair that life has done this to her, that people are making snap judgments about the way she looks. You know, this is a, this is a, this is a direct consequence of the false promise that liberalism has given people, particularly young people, is that you just be you. It's the greatest lie ever told. I've mentioned this many, many times. It started in the 80s in the self-esteem movement. Just be yourself. Well, listen, if you're a lazy piece of trash, don't be yourself. Right? A lot of what Jordan Peterson does in his talks is unwind the damage done by these leftists who have poisoned the youth over many, many years now, several generations, and convincing them that they just need to be themselves. You don't want to be yourself. You want to be the best possible version of a human being that you can be. That's what you want to attain to. And you don't, you don't want to literally handicap yourself by inking your entire face looking like you just got, you know, just left an, a, a squid orgy. I mean, the hell's bell's wrong with this woman? It's a mental condition. But apologists will say, oh, she's just being brave and expressing herself the way that she feels that she needs to. No, she's just committed life professional suicide is what she's done. Thankfully, she lives in Great Britain. She'll have plenty of welfare and can mooch off the state. Fabulous. All right, friends, let's have a great weekend. Don't ink yourself to the point. Kids, don't do this. Don't turn yourself into a, a giant bruise. Sam Rajovsky, uh, enjoy the weekend. I'll be back here Monday. Looking forward to it. The What's Right Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Find us on social media. You know where to look, podcast, etc. See ya. Have a wonderful one. 